All right, well anyway, welcome to Vinestock. I just wanna encourage you to look around for a second, okay? The reason I want you to look around is because it's one day, one church, one service, and these are the people that you go to church with. This is your spiritual community. This is your spiritual family as we gather together. And, and this is the day that I look forward to. I got up this morning and I, I got all the dogs out and got them taken care of. And, and I went and got all ready. I had my coffee with my wife and I put my clothes on and, and I was ready to come. And my wife said, you remember a year ago? I said, yeah, I couldn't get up on this stage a year ago. Kevin Kirstein had a tractor to pick me up. And since then I've got two new hips and this is great. Then she looked at me and she said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's the exact same outfit you were wearing last year at this time. I said, I promise I've taken it off since then and sent it through the washer. I have, but it is good for us to be together. And so I wanna, I wanna celebrate what God is doing in our lives. It's been a tough year. Just yesterday, Jan, Pastor Janice and I got up and we went to Wilmore and we did a marriage conference and it was incredible. And then we stayed just long enough that we came zipping home, changed, and I had to go do a wedding here in Richmond. Church life, family life, community life is still going on even a year later, and I'm celebrating that. Thank you, Lord, that that's what's going on. It's been a tough year for, for some of us when you think back to where we are and where God has brought us to. It has been. I lost a brother-in-law in the midst of all of this. But I'm thankful that God is, is faithful and he brought him home. And so I'm celebrating his testimony on this earth. And now I'm saying, God, what do you want to do with us as we gather together? We've been looking at Moses. And I'm just going to use my papers so the wind doesn't blow it away. But I want to wrap up this, this little snapshot that we've been um, looking at in Moses' life. I want to share this with you and I want to invite you to just ask yourself, where do I find myself in this story? Because again, I believe that anytime we come together, we should come together believing that God has something to say to us. And as God has something to say to us, let's just see what it was. Last year I got up on this stage and there was a big cloud all over this place. And I remembered saying, okay, I'm going to give you three points real fast before the rain starts falling. We still cooked 400 hot dogs last year because nobody would leave, even though it was drizzly. And this year, the Lord spoke to me about this message while I was at work, I mean, excuse me, working from home, crying out for it, actually waiting on my COVID test, not because I had COVID, but because I was around somebody that might've been around somebody and I'm trying to be careful. And so I still went and got my test and, and uh, I was waiting and I was just at home feeling like, I, God, what do I have to offer anymore? And God said, you don't have anything to offer. He said, but I do. So if you'll just hang on here a second. And he shared this with me. And I started crying out loud in my house with my dogs laying all over me, waiting for Mexican food to come for lunch. And it was good. We are a church. We're not a building, but we are a community. We've been called to be here in Richmond, Kentucky, in Madison County, in Central Kentucky. This is where God wants us to be. We are not a corporate ministry looking to increase and expand our reign and increase our coffers. That's not who we are. We want to see lives change, families coming back together. We want to see God empowering people to do ministry. 
That's who we are. We live in our community, we play in our community, we pray in our community, and we work together for, F-O-R, our community. And that's who we're gonna stay. Even though we have two services, we are one church, and this is our church today. I wanna to invite you to pray with me that I'm gonna take you to Numbers 13, um, a, a scripture that I've shared uh, with the men while on retreat, but there's something else about that that the Lord laid on my heart that I wanna share with you. So let's just have a word of prayer. God, we are out here in the midst of everything and we've lifted up our hearts in praise and thanksgiving and we're still wide open to anything you wanna to say to us. <laughs> you are God and we are not. We are your children who have been wayward, we've struggled, We've sinned against the God that loved us so desperately, and yet still you reach down and you put your arms around us and you call us your own. You try to inspire us past whatever it is the devil is doing in our midst, past whatever it is that's in front of us. You reach down to us. And so today we thank you for this, God. And we just ask and pray, God, we speak forgiveness upon this crowd, upon this people that comes hungry for your, your presence in our lives. Change us. Holy Spirit, come and change us into who you want us to be. Make us big, God. Make us see who we are in the grand scheme of things so that we can unleash the kingdom of heaven here on this earth and we can be used by you. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the book of Numbers in chapter 13, it's the account of when the spies came back from scoping out the promised land. It's a scripture that I've used already this year in the, in the recent past. You can look at it, you can remember it. The long and the short of it is this. Egypt was, excuse me, the Hebrew children were led out of Egypt by Moses. They were out in the desert wandering around. God took them to the borderland of the promised land and he said, that's for you guys, go take it. Just go take it, just go do it. And they said, no, 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 no. We're scared of that. And they said to Moses, let's, let's send some people to spy it out. And Moses went to the Lord and the Lord said, send some people to spy it out. Knock yourself out. And so they went in and they spied it out and they were in the land for 40 days. For 40 days they saw how good the soil was. It was rich for growing things. They saw the fruit of the land, the vineyards that the peoples had planted, the cities that they had built. They saw everything and God said, I'm gonna drive these people out and I'm gonna give you all of this. Now, you deal with whether or not you think that's fair or not or you can question God and say, Lord, what was that all about? But at the end of the day, God is God and you're not. So we're here to trust God. And so as they came back from spying out the land, as they brought all the fruits that they had found, just as a, as a sample, they had a, a church meeting. They had a family gathering. And in this family gathering, they said, give us your report. And this was the report that they were given. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey, just like God said. The promise that God made that I'm gonna take you to a land flowing with milk and honey was proven by these gentlemen, okay? But here, and they said, and here's the fruit. 
Look at these grapes. Look at these pomegranates. Look at this fruit that we brought back. Here's the fruit. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and large. The cities are large. The Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan River. Caleb, one of the spies that went, silenced the people before Moses and said, this is what Caleb said, we should go up and take possession of the land because we can certainly do it. So the first group comes and says, don't do it, don't do it. We cannot figure out how you are going to do that, God. It doesn't make any fiscal sense. It doesn't make any logical sense. It doesn't make any mortal sense. We're all going to die if we go in there. And we're going to get nothing from God. And so Caleb stands up and says, whoa, 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 whoa. We should go up and take possession of the land because we certainly can do it. But then the men who had gone with him said, no, 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 no. We can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they, they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours people living in it. All the people that we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim. They were there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. These are large people. These are what you and I would call giants. We, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. When I was with your husbands, those that went to, to Gatlinburg this year, the story that we took out of here was grasshoppers don't eat grapes. They don't. Grasshoppers can't, it's not possible for grasshoppers to eat grapes. They can eat the leaves they can eat the vines, but they can't spread their mandibles out far enough to eat the grape. It's not possible. They don't get the fruit. They just get the vine. And so there's a story there for you to grab a hold of. Do you want the fruit or not? But that's not what I want to talk to you about. Here's the story and here's the song. The children of Israel spent the 12 spies into the promised land, but they chose instead to doubt God. When God said, I promise you, I'm going to take you into the promised land. I'm going to give you houses that you did not build. This is what it says. I'm going to give you houses you did not build. You're going to take possession of uh, vineyards that you did not plant. You will live in cities that you did not build. I will drive the people out. I'm going to do that. And these people said, yes, it is exactly as God said, but we're not going in there because they'll kill us and they'll devour us and we don't trust God. And that's the issue that's at stake. Do we believe that God called us into the promised land? Do we believe that God has something bigger and better for us? Or are we ready to settle for the desert? Ten of these people jumped up and said, no, we're not going in. No, we look like grasshoppers. What do you believe about yourself and what you believe about yourself actually matters to what you are willing to do on behalf of the kingdom of God. If you see yourselves as grasshoppers, you will never do anything but hop around in the desert eating stalks and leaves. But God's called us to more than that. What you believe about you is the beginning of turning your whole world around. What God believes about you 
that's the beginning of a whole nother level. A whole nother level of life happens when you, believe, when you begin to believe what God says about you and you act on it. Not when you acknowledge it, because these men acknowledge that across this river, there is grapes that we can't carry. There are pomegranates that we just can't describe. There are cities that are tall and big. There are giant people there. It's everything that God said it was. And God said, yes, and you can take this land. And they said, no, we don't trust you, God. We don't trust you. You don't think community matters? Caleb and Joshua were standing up going, we can do it, we can do it. Ten other guys were saying, sit down and be quiet. Caleb and Joshua were not the, po uh, the popular opinion. Not at all. They were going against the grain. They were taking the narrow way, not the broad way. They were taking the spiritual way, not the man way. They were willing to say, God, this doesn't make sense, but let's jump. It's Peter getting out of the boat when Jesus says, come to me. And Peter doesn't say, we've got to have a class on walking on water before I'll get out of this boat. He says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. And he jumped. He just jumped. He, Peter got to walk on the water. Eleven other disciples sat in the boat and kept watching. Never got to experience that power of God in their lives. You know what happens when you stand up for truth? You're not real popular. You know what happens when you share the truth? People begin to not like you. Look what happened to Joshua and Caleb. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephna, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes because these men were saying, don't do what God says. They tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. But the whole assembly, look what they did. Look what, look what his community did. The whole assembly talked about stoning Joshua and Caleb because they wouldn't say what everybody wanted to hear. They refused to take the party line and said, no, we need to trust God. Then the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the Israelites. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? How long will they refuse to believe in me in spite of all the signs I have performed among them? I will strike them down with a plague and destroy them, but I will make you into a nation greater and stronger than them. I don't want to talk about plagues. I'm sick and tired of plagues. I waited out my plague test, okay? I'm not here to talk about plagues. I'm here to talk about the promises of God that he's given to you. 
I'm here to challenge you and say that as one congregation, how much of a difference do you want to make in central Kentucky, in this part of the United States? How big of a difference do you want to get called to? How much do you want to see God move in your personal life and in our corporate life? Because these are leaders that live and work and suffer with Joshua and Caleb. This is Joshua's family and friends that wanted to stone them. This is their co-workers and co-spies that went throughout the, the land. And this is what happens when that com uh, community of faith chooses to live in fear instead of in the power of the Lord God Almighty. This is when they consider human common sense more important than a spiritual calling to step forward. Their friends went from exploring with them to wanting to stone them for disagreeing. And God got mad. You know, we don't often think of God getting mad. We live in a world where I get chewed up on a regular basis. I'm just going to tell you, I get chewed up on a regular basis as the pastor of this church for saying that God might be a God who spanks people. God might be a God who gets mad at you. God might be a God that brings fire down. God might be a consuming fire. We should just say that God is love and, and God wouldn't hurt anybody or offend anybody or, or say no to anybody. Or Listen, He is God. I am not God. I can open up the word and tell you what it says. And it says right here that when these people doubted God because what God was saying didn't make good common sense, God got mad. And I wonder sometimes if we don't need to look at ourselves and wonder if what we're going through is not God trying to grab a hold of us like grandma used to say, by the short hairs on the back of your head to take you out to the woodshed. I'm not saying God's doing that. I'm just saying I don't want to be there when he does. I don't want to be there. But I see as I read this story that community matters. We did a, uh, a series of small groups not long ago called Church Matters. I want to tell you right now that community matters. Who you run with in your life, who inspires you to faith, not to what you can see and feel, that matters who inspires you to walk closer with God, not party with the world, that matters. A year ago, 12 months ago, we were in this field, some of us. Let me ask you who you invited to church, who you led to the Lord, who you did not know that you now know in your personal life, because following after God and doing what He said matters to you and I, because that's what God is going to call us to. I want to encourage you that the Word of God matters more than anything else that you're going to face. Being faithful is going to matter more than anything else when we see the Lord. And sometimes in the last 12 months, some of you have faced some big, big, big giants. Some of you that aren't here with us today that are going to be watching this in the midweek, you are facing giants right now. And I know that when we face giants, that's the time to, to say, get some rocks and get your sling out. But I want to tell you this from what they said, okay? What you believe about you matters. 
If you believe that you are just a sinner and nothing can ever happen because you are just you, then that's exactly what's going to happen. But if you believe that empowered by God, that you can lead people to the Lord just by being you, that you can pray for people and they will find healing just because God works through you, you will begin to see incredible things. But you've got to be willing to step out. Last message I'm going to share about facing giants for just a little while. Next month, we're going to talk about raising kids. That'll be like facing giants. That's especially if they're teenagers. Wow. Well, we'll talk about that later, okay? This is what I want to share with you. Are you ready? I'm going to lay this right on you right now. When you're looking up and you see giants and you think you're a grasshopper, that's when you need to look higher. When you look up and you see giants, I want to invite you to look higher. Because my God is not just bigger than giants. My God is higher than giants. My God sits on the throne that is above the giants. And I want to encourage you to stop and say, wow, if the God who called me is bigger than the giant in front of me, then walking around the giant in front of me should not give me any problem. I'm not saying we won't shake a little bit. I'm not saying there won't be a little bit of fear and trepidation. I did a wedding yesterday for a young man who, who fought in Afghanistan, faced bullets flying back and forth. And while I was standing next to him waiting for the bride to come out, he said, I was not this anxious and this nervous when I was in combat in Afghanistan. He said, I am just shaking and I don't know why. And we said, take a deep breath, God is here. And I would encourage you that when God has called you to step forward, and you feel like you're looking at giants, that's the time that I believe that we're called to look up at God and take another step forward. That is not a time for you and I to back up. The children of Israel listened to the popular opinion instead of the promise that God gave them, and God is bigger than those giants. Make a list of everything that God has done in your life in the last 12 months or in the last five years and give Him the glory. Thank Him for the promise that lies in front of you, even the ones you have not realized yet. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who persevere and are saved. So when I see people living in abject fear, hiding, being quiet, not voicing their opinion, lying about what Scripture says about morality... I kind of know they're not really chasing God, and it breaks my heart for them. We have been called to holiness, set-asideness. We have been called to truth. We have been called to proclaim the promise of God even when it doesn't make good financial or logical sense. We have still been called. Look higher because our God is bigger than their champion. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, the scripture says, and don't lean on your own understanding. And in all of your ways, even the ones that lead right up to the river, acknowledge him and he will make you a bridge. He will make your path straight. You want to trust in the things of this world and your own sight? Or are you ready to start trusting in the word of God and the promise that he's given to you? And what's that promise? He said that we're going to live a life that the people around us wish they could have when we live it His way, not when we immerse ourselves in the party of the world. 
Faith is being sure, the scripture says, of what we hope for and certain of what we do not say, see. Faith is when we say it doesn't matter. If we have to close our eyes and walk across the Jordan River, we'll do it that way and we'll let God. When you're looking up and you see giants, look higher. Or will you reject the promise of God because the giants scare you? The new job. Does the new job scare you? Does the idea of moving away scare you? Does the idea of getting married terrify you? Does the idea of having children scare you? Does the idea of inviting somebody to church scare you? Does the idea of being at Purdy's and seeing somebody alone and saying, oh, I think the Lord wants me to go over there and talk to them for a second, does that scare you? Step into the fear and it will push back. Step back from the fear and it will get bigger. The question is, do we do it the Lord's way? Do we reject the promise or do we accept the promise. Second thing I want to share with you is this. When the church gives up on God, and that's what happened with those 10 souls, when the church gives up on God, chase the promise. When, when the church across America begins to say, well, maybe that's not sin anymore. Well, maybe that's okay. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Chase the promise. What's the truth? What are we headed for? Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right and stop lying to people that good people are going to heaven. Listen to me, I love you, but that's not the qualifying factor. People covered in the blood of Jesus whose sins have been forgiven are going to heaven. Even though they're struggling in their journey, they're going to heaven. God is not rejecting you, but he is still calling you and I from glory to glory to glory. And I want to encourage you to do that. When the church gives up on God, sing louder. When the church gives up on God, pray harder. When the church gives up on God, share more faithfully with more people the truth. Who has come to know Jesus because we haven't said a word to them? Honestly, not many people. We live in a time that I've seen of epic, epic compromise on the scripture. And we have so much access to the word and so many people don't know it. I was online with somebody and somebody had posted a dietary restriction from the book of Leviticus and I said, thank goodness that as a Christian, as a Gentile that came to know Jesus, I inherit the promise made to Abraham and I don't have to become a Jew first to do it. And this man said to me, huh, well, where do you find that? And I thought, in Scripture. The whole book of Galatian, the 15th, the 13th, 14th, and 15th chapter of the book of Romans, the 11th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, do you want me to go on? Don't just challenge somebody if you're not reading it yourself. Don't pick one verse and build your life on it. Get into the Word. A lot of people in churches have been saved, but, but according to their practical theology, the way they live their lives, they got saved into nothing. And we've been called to be saved into the kingdom of God, into the work of the kingdom, into the busyness, because the harvest is ready, but the harvesters are few, and you and I are called to harvest. We don't get to change the truth because they're nice people. We don't get to change the truth because they're our family members. Noah did not get to change the plan of God when his own brothers and sisters were pounding on the ark asking him to open the door. 
He didn't get to change the plan of God. Somebody challenged me this week on the Sabbath. And I said, well, the Sabbath is Friday at 6 to Saturday at 6. And they said, yeah, but we could at least, you know, actually keep it on Sunday. And I said, that doesn't work with God. You don't get to say, no, God, we're going to do it our way, but we're doing it for you, so bless this. We don't get to do that. When God said keep the Sabbath and he asked the Israelites to do it in the Old Testament, a man went out and gathered firewood on the Sabbath and God struck him dead because the details mattered. We can discuss fair and just later, but that's where God is. This is how serious he is about what's going on. In the book of 1 Corinthians it says, but now I'm writing to you and we never hear sermons on this passage, but think it through. It's like, really? Paul said this? But I'm now writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Don't even eat with these people. And he goes on to say, I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people that are faking it. And I said, Lord, that is severe. And the Lord said, point your feet toward the cross and press into the transformation from glory to glory. We're called to become more like Jesus. Do you vote with the crowd? Do you vote with the crowd because you know better than God? There's a reason even when it doesn't make sense and feels severe. There's a reason that God said these things back then. And it's like, wow, what about that? The last thing I wanna share with you is this. When the world is falling apart, stay the course. When the world around you is falling apart, that's the time to stay the course. Jesus called you and I to make disciples. He said if we're not connected to him, we will not make disciples. If we are connected to him, this is John 15, if we are connected to him, we will make disciples. If we don't bear fruit, will be cut off and cast into the fire. I don't like that scripture, to be honest with you. I really don't. But that's what the scripture says. Jesus said, a tree is known by its fruit. What's the fruit of my life? The fruit of my life needs to be the love that I have for the people that I walk with, work with. It doesn't mean I, I'm perfect. It just means I'm trying, Lord. And when I fail, I get up and ask forgiveness. But I do change my lifestyle. I do change my attitude. I do, I do change my entertainment practices. I do change the way I lead my family and my children. In the book of Romans, Paul said in chapter 12, love must be sincere. It can't be kind of. It has to be sincere. He said, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be jo joyful in hope, patient in affliction. That means there's going to be affliction. Faithful in prayer. We're called to keep praying. And share with the Lord's people who are in need. And practice hospitality. Bring people into your home. 
Bless those that persecute you. Bless and don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those people that are mourning. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited and don't repay anybody evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, and as much as it lies within you, to the best of your ability, live at peace with everyone. Do everything you can. If they receive it, it's on them. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge and I will repay, says the Lord. And that's not a promise to hurt people that hurt me. That's a promise to leave it in God's hands and let him handle it. I'm not looking for God to do what I want. I'm looking to give it over to God and let God be God and I'm willing to stop being God. As a matter of fact, he goes on to say, if your enemy is hungry, then feed him. Give him food. If your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Last statement I want to make before we go to a time of prayer. Are you letting the world call you away from your commitment to God? As we see the things that have gone on, as we launch into a new fall, as we anticipate God doing new and greater things in our lives, do we recognize that He's given us the things in order to increase the kingdom of God. I'm so thankful for Canaan Acres Farm. I'm so thankful that they said, we have this place, please, as a church, use it, bring people to it. We wanna see God glorified in this place. I'm tickled to death to have a worship team and it's, it's, it's much bigger than to this. It's 20 and 30 people deep saying we wanna use our gifts for God. I'm tickled to death when, when somebody who's in robotics says, I wish the church had a robotic need. And I say, what you're doing is making a significant difference because you may not know it, but hold, giving somebody a, an eight ounce cup of coffee makes them feel safe in a new place. We can make a difference in Madison County. I do believe, congregation, that we face big giants. And even as I began to feel the Lord moving and urging me to say, Joe, it's time to recapture a vision and a promise. I said, Lord, but this. And he said, but giants, Joe. Put your gaze above the giants. Are you going to be faithful or are you going to wait? I don't want to wait 40 years. I want to be willing to share. I want to be willing to invite. And I want to be willing to go when God says go. And I want to lead because God said lead. And I want to invite you to come because God brought you here. I don't know what giants you're facing. I don't know what river God is asking you to cross. I don't know what thing has got you scared. But I know this, the Lord God, excuse me, Almighty wants to do something in your life and even today. I don't even know if you're saved. 
I don't know if you got saved because you were afraid of going to hell and you got saved and now you sit in a chair or sit on a pew or now you're sitting here waiting for, for whatever and God is saying, no, 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 I want you involved. I need you to get plugged in. There is a role for you in a local congregation, whether it's this one or another one. But it is time for everybody to be serving. It is time for everybody to be giving and we're a church that gives. It is time for us to get this church outside of its own self. When the coffee truck showed up today, I said to the coffee man, I said, coffee man, we'll give black coffee to everybody that comes to this window, but if they want a latte, they have to pay for it. And the Lord said, Joe, people, people. I went back to the coffee man and I said, I don't care what they ask for, give it to them. And we will pay for that. We're gonna be that congregation. We're gonna help the FCA get leadership. We're gonna go visit the students on campus. We're gonna go make a difference wherever we possibly can. And we're gonna pour out the resources, the gifts, and the money of this church in this community to see people's lives change, not just to have bigger bank accounts and feel better about ourselves. And what I wanna know is where's your part? What's God calling you to? If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, sooner or later you have to come to the understanding that God is calling you to come to Him and to repent and to give Him your life. There are people up there on the fence in front of the coffee truck that would like to pray with you today because we don't know what you've been through this past week. We don't know what you're facing next week if God tarries. But somewhere in here, it's time to stop being saved and start being saved into something. And this is our day, and this is our year, and it's time for us to push forward. Next week, we're gonna start a series. God, these goblins are killing me. I don't know if that's really gonna be the name, but those little goblins you have, and those little goblins that some of you are having, and I'm not outing you today, I'm just saying, don't let them distract you from the ministry. Bring them with us and teach them the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, who is God in heaven, we thank you for today. We thank you for this story. God, forgive us where we've seen giants and we've stepped down. God, forgive us where we've seen the river and we've tasted the fruit and we've spent 40, year, or 40 days, God, behind enemy lines saying this is good, but we were afraid to take the next step. God, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of not moving. I'm tired of waiting. And it's not because I think I'm waiting on you, God. I honestly think you're waiting on us. And I ask your forgiveness for that. God, I pray for such an outpouring upon these people's lives, upon my life, that I can't sit still, I can't remain still. God, if I have to swim that river, I wanna swim it. I just wanna be where you want us to be. I wanna do what you want us to do. I wanna say what you want us to say. And I don't wanna compromise because the giants are big. When the trumpet sounds, we wanna hear you say, well done, God. So we ask you to forgive us our sin. And we ask and pray that you call us out in a big way in Jesus' name. Amen.